0: I want to welcome you here if you're here at the Valley Campus. I want to say a big hello to our friends at the East Campus. Guys, just stay standing for a second. We're going to read the word. Uh, But I just want to give a little encouragement to our East Campus. You guys have been doing tremendous with the leadership of Pastor John Robertson in the Valley. Why don't we just give John Robertson, our East Campus Pastor, some encouragement, love. And John has been leading very well. and We're so pleased with what God's doing at our East Campus. We're so pleased. Also, if you're watching online, we are sure glad that you chose to join us here today. However you clicked, we're just happy to see you, and we trust that God has something for you in it today. I want to ask you to stay standing. We're going to read a little bit of encouragement before we get into our text for today. It's from the book of Philippians. If you don't have a Bible by any chance either, you can just raise your hands. We have folks in red shirts at the the East Campus as well. You just raise your hand. Someone will put a Bible in your hand. That's yours to keep. That's free. It's just a gift. We want you to be able to open God's Word and read it for yourself. We're going to open up our Bible uh, to Acts chapter 27. But right now, I want to read this verse from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It'll be on the screen. I just want to read it over you and then we'll have a seat. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Someone say amen. 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 My title of the sermon here today is He's Not Done Yet. He's not done yet. Tell someone he's not done yet and have a seat. Why don't you just say hi to somebody, have a seat, and we're going to get into it here. So, uh, we are nearing the end of our Acts series, and I'm so happy to be able to speak to you today. We're closing up a long journey that the Apostle Paul has been on. And in our text today, we're going to see that Paul's being transported from Jerusalem to Rome. And he's being transported to stand trial for his faith, but we're going to find out in just a few minutes that his journey is going to take an unexpected twist. It's going to take a turn for the worse. Paul's going to find himself in a boat in the Mediterranean Ocean, lost at sea. He's going to find that winds pick up, and he's in the middle of this huge storm, and his boat goes crazy, and and everything's going chaotic, and he's not going to know where to turn. He's not going to know what's going to happen. He's going to find himself lost at sea, shipwrecked. Now, if I asked you right off the bat, how many of you, by a show of hands, you've ever been lost at sea? Anyone ever been shipwrecked? Probably not. No, me either. I mean, the closest I've ever gotten, I don't know if you've been on the Kennebecasis River. Uh, I don't know if you've been on the Kennebecasis River up near Hampton. I'm just kidding. There, there's, there's two kinds of Kennebecasis River there's like the by St. John, and then there's like the Sussex. You know what I'm saying? When I was in Bible college, uh, I was uh, just, uh, you know what, a seafaring young lad, and I had the privilege with some friends who maybe weren't the smartest, we made this raft and we decided to test our seaworthiness our sea legs on the mighty Kennebecasis River behind Sussex. Uh, it's about 20 feet wide, and it's like two and a half feet deep or something. It's like the worst. So, but we did this, and the, my, the biggest thing I know, the biggest time I've ever been shipwrecked was on the Kennebecasis behind Sussex in a dumb little raft made out of pallets and like 55-gallon uh, d- drums floating down, and we got stuck on a branch. A- it wasn't harrowing. I didn't need an emergency blanket. I was just like 10 minutes and it was done and that was it. And the shore was like five feet away from me. That's that's the most I've been shipwrecked. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you probably haven't been shipwrecked like that. But I would say every one of us knows what it feels like to be shipwrecked in life. Every single one of us knows what it's like to go through a storm that we don't know if we're going to make it. We know what it's like to have a certain plan and want to go a certain way, but then by some series of circumstance or some weird event or some mistake, we're totally blown off course, aren't we? We're out of control, we're far from where we hoped or planned we would ever be. We've all been through a storm or two that has totally rocked us, haven't we? Just a show of hands. Are you with me in that kind of a storm? You've been in that. You know what it's like. You know what it feels like to be discouraged. You've known disappointment. You've known what it feels like to be lost. I'm not talking about a little drizzle. Like, I'm not talking like uh, you went to Dairy Queen and they were out of chocolate syrup. And so you had to suffer through caramel for just a day. Like, that's, that's bad. But it's, it's a little drizzle. If you, That's not even supposed to be funny. But you know what I'm saying? you get that in five minutes. I'm not talking a little storm. I'm talking one that changes the trajectory of your life. One that, this, like this one really matters. You know what it feels like. Like you meant to go here, but you ended up here. Like you meant, you meant, you meant to be happily married. But through some series of circumstances on your journey, you've been divorced three times. And you're in an abusive, and you're in an abusive relationship right now. Like, you thought, once you got married, you thought you'd have three kids by now. But where you actually ended up is with infertility. You thought that you'd have uh, money in the bank. You thought you'd have your RSP built up. You thought you'd be doing this. You thought you'd have uh, three businesses by now. But because of that one mistake and that one acquaintance, you actually have more debt than you've ever had in your life, and you have no way out, and you don't see how it's going to get better, and you're thinking some really dangerous thoughts. You thought you would be happy, but you're depressed. You thought you'd be free, but you've become addicted. What do you do when a storm takes you somewhere that you don't want to go? When no matter how bad you wish it were different or how hard you try to change it, you find yourself far from who or where you thought and expected that you'd be. What do you do when a storm takes you somewhere that you don't want to go? In Acts chapter 27, we see Paul in this situation. He's in this situation literally. And if you remember last week, Pastor Andy, if you haven't watched just go back on our website, kingschurch.cc, uh, and you can watch our message from last week. But go back, and Pastor Andy got us to the point in Paul's journey where Paul has been on trial for his faith. And it's been decided that because of Paul's background, they're not going to try him in Jerusalem. They're going to send him all the way to Rome to get before Caesar. Paul's about to go on this journey. I want to show you here on the map. It'll be on the screen here. I want to show you on the map kind of where we're at and how this all works, uh, just so you can have an idea of what we're looking at. So you're looking at a map. This is the Mediterranean Ocean. Okay, and this is going to be a real quick kind of just geography lesson, I guess. Uh, Paul, our story starts out right here, Jerusalem. Paul intends to go from Jerusalem all the way over here to Rome. You see how far away that is? And Paul's put on a boat, they go up to Caesarea, they decide to put him on a boat in Caesarea with some Roman official, or Roman guards, uh, and just the, the crew of the ship, and they're actually going to do, the, the Bible says that the boat they're on makes regular stops all along the coastline, and they're going to eventually get to Rome through this way. So their intention is kind of to go up here, the Bible says they stop in Sidon, and Paul visits some friends. But then the Bible tells us that things start to get a little bit different, what was meant to be this safe journey ends up being something totally different. They're in Sidon, and they they launch from Sidon. The Bible tells us that the weather starts picking up, and so they have to go up around Cyprus like this. And then they come out to this spot right here. And then the wind gets a little worse, and the Bible says that we're losing time now, that what should have taken just a few days is now taking a week. And it's getting close to being wintertime in the Mediterranean. That's when the storms pick up. And so we really have this tight window. If we're going to make this journey the way we expected, man, we got some pressure to get moving. But every time we try and move, it seems the wind picks up. Every time we try and move forward, it seems we're pushed three steps back. And the Bible tells us this, that right around here they switch ships. They switch ships because this is not going to happen anymore. They find a ship that's actually from Africa, and it's headed to Rome as well. So they jump on a ship right around here. And then the Bible says that the storm started to pick up, the weather started to pick up, and they did everything they could to get to the island of Crete. You can see Crete. So they stop in the island of Crete, and they're all kind of taking assessment of what's going on. The wind's really starting to get pretty bad, and it's getting to be the time of year. We should probably stop for the winter, and we should just kind of hold up. And I don't know how this went down. I don't know if, like, they got everyone on board the ship. There were prisoners. There were uh, army people. There was the Egyptian crew who was doing their thing, or the African crew who was doing their thing. I don't know how they did it if they just got down and said, hey, do you think we should go or not? Let's take a vote. I don't know how it happened. But the Bible tells us that Paul got before these guys, and he said, guys... We need to stop here. Because if we try and go on, if we try to go, we're going to find some things that are really going to hurt. If we try and go, we're going to get shipwrecked. I believe if we try and go, we're going to lose our cargo. I believe if we try and go, we're going to be injured. Everyone on board is going to be in danger. Now, I don't know if the reason the captain didn't listen to him was one, because Paul's not a sailor, two, because Paul's a prisoner. Three, because Paul says he's a Christian and he believes in a God that they don't believe in. I don't know what the reason was, but the captain just kind of tells him to shut up. Because the spot we're at right now is really bad in the winter. So we're going to try and cruise up to this place. It's called Phoenix, It's just a couple miles up the road. We're just going to do that. And so the, the, the wind stops for a day, they get on the boat, and they start to leave this area of Crete, and they head over to Phoenix. But then the Bible says this, and this is Acts chapter 27, 14 through 20. You'll see it on the screen as well. It says this, right at this point, right as we left this area... The weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, called a northeaster, I think we know what that is, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. What we meant to be just a couple second ride, a couple miles up the road, became this trip that we were on, and we were blown off to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the shelter side of a small island named Kauda, where with great difficulty, it was so bad, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. Then the sailors, it got even worse, they got ropes and they bound up the whole ship, the whole hull, to strengthen it so it didn't blow apart. They were afraid that we would be driven across to the sandbars of Syrtis on the African coast. So they lowered the anchor to slow the ship down. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began to throw the cargo overboard. They're out here somewhere in the ocean. I don't know if they're going around. and I don't know what it is. But they're in this mess in the Mediterranean Ocean. The sailors don't know what to do. They put their anchors down. They're starting to throw the cargo overboard. They wrapped it up with ropes. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. We don't need a compass anymore. We don't need beds. We, don't need, we just need to live. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Have you ever been in that kind of a storm? Have you ever been in a storm that, the kind of storm where just when you thought you were safe, you get knocked over? Just when you thought you were in the clear, you thought it was bad, it gets even worse. Just at the moment where you started to let your guard down, you get blown even further off course from where you wanted to go. The kind of storm that doesn't let up. The kind that causes you to lose everything. The kind that you didn't think in a million years you'd be in. Verse 21 says this, that as they're out flying around the ocean, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together again, and I, I love this. He said, man, you should have listened to me in the first place and probably not left Crete. <laughs> you would have avoided all this damage and loss. I don't know if Paul said it like that. I don't, I don't really, I, I wasn't there. I don't know if he said it like that or if he said it real Christian-y and very like, politely and all that. I don't know. I just imagine he's a little bit angry with this. Paul gets with the captain and he says, hey, buddy, yo. You remember just a couple of days ago when we had this whole, we had this little powwow and we all got together and said, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should? Remember when we got together and we did that? Remember? I don't know if you remember this part. I don't, I don't know. I'm just a prisoner. But remember when I told you that it would be bad? Yeah. How about that? Remember when I told you we'd lose our stuff? Yeah, you, you, we lost our stuff, didn't we? Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's not good. Remember when I told you that we'd be in danger? Mm-hmm. We're, we're in danger. Remember that? But did you listen? No, you didn't want to listen to me. You just wanted to get over to your little phoenix and get on with the winter. You... Sometimes the storm we're in could have been avoided if we would have heeded an earlier warning. Have you ever been in that kind of storm? One that after you're in it, you're like, if I would have just listened. If I would have, ju- if I would have just paid attention to that warning. You know what they told me that this guy was trouble? But I just couldn't resist them. I knew that I could have, should have called the doctor sooner about this, but I I thought I was invincible. I didn't think anything would ever happen to me. I knew that this person was a little bit shady, and I knew that I got a weird vibe around it. But I was desperate for a business partner, and so I, I joined with them. Paul says, in verse twenty-two. He says they said, "Guys, you should have listened to me." But take courage. Yes, I was right all along, and yes, but, it, but take courage. Even when it's hopeless, when it's at its worst, when we're floating around in the ocean, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Take courage. Even though this looks bad, even though it looks awful, even though it's just not going to end good, we won't lose our lives, but we are going to lose the ship. Take courage. Why? Verse 23 says this, because last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Paul's saying this, last night while you all were freaking out, I was in the boat and God showed up. Right in my boat. While you were all freaking out, God's with me. And you know what he said to me? He said, Paul, you can't die right now. You know why? Because you're supposed to be in Rome in a few days, and I'm not going to let you off the hook for that. So Paul, you can't die here. You've got somewhere else that you've got to go. As bad as it looks, you're going to get through this because I've already set you off to something better, to something bigger, to somewhere else. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you'll surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. There are 276 people on board this ship. 276 people are going to be saved. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Take courage. Why? Because just when you don't think you're going to make it, God's going to show up. Amen. Take courage. Why? Because God's in the boat with you right now. That even though everything looks crazy and you're throwing stuff away and you wish you would have never been there and you're regretting the day you did that thing, God is in the boat next to you saying, I'm going to get you through this. Paul had no clue where he was, Coast Guard couldn't save him. But God was closer than his breath. He was never lost. He was never adrift. He was never completely, totally abandoned. God was with him. This angel shows up and says, you can't die here because I have somewhere else that I need you to go. You can't go down here because you have an appointment you have to get to. You weren't meant to go down in this storm, even though it seems like you're sunk. I'm going to bring you through it so that I can take you to where you've been meant to be brought. But... It's going to cost you something. You're going to make it through. In your biggest storm, when you're lost, when you're taking on water, you think you're going to sink. Understand that God's in the boat. And someone needs to go home and just say in the mirror, God's in this boat. He hasn't left me. He hasn't abandoned me. It looks crazy. But God's in the boat. You're not lost. God's with you. He knows exactly where you're at, and He knows exactly where He wants to take you. Is there going to be trouble? Yeah. Are you going to suffer loss? Yes. Is it going to hurt? Yes, it probably will, but you're going to make it through this storm. You can't die here. You were meant for someplace better. What do you do when a storm takes you somewhere that you didn't want to go? Paul does this. The first thing he does is he trusts in his promise. You can trust in God's promise. Here's what God promises you over and over. I just have three things I want to throw out from the scripture. Three verses that I want to throw out to you. The first is Psalm chapter 46. This is what God promises you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your promise. Go home and write this down. He'll underline it in your Bible. Take a hold of this. This is for you. It says, God is our refuge and strength. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. He promises it. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come, and we won't fear when the mountains crumble into the sea. So bring it on. Let the oceans roar, and let the oceans foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge, because God is always ready to help. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, 10, it says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged because I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It's a promise that you can claim. Romans eight thirty five to 37 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? This is Paul writing this. Does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or we're in danger or we're threatened with death? Does that mean God doesn't love us if we have hard times and we're in the middle of a storm? No. Despite all these things, in the face of all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You can trust in God's promise because He's not done yet. He's not done yet. The story goes on and says, After 14 days... After they left the island of Crete, 14 days wandering around in the Mediterranean Ocean, the sailors start to sense that land is near. I don't know how they did it. I don't know what happened. But midnight on the 14th day at sea, the sailors sense that land is near. And the sailors get afraid because they aren't ready for land to be near just yet. And they think that they're going to run into some rocks or they think they're going to run aground before they hit anything. And they're just going to be stranded, not even floating anymore, but stranded. So they throw all their anchors overboard to try and slow the ship down. When that doesn't work, I mean, it's midnight, it's dark, they can't see anything. When that doesn't work, the sailors try to mutiny, uh, stage a mutiny on the boat. And the sailors say, hey guys, we're just going to get the, let the lifeboats down. We're going to test them out, see if they still float. And the plan is, they're all going to get on the lifeboats and say, see you later, prisoners. We're out of here. But Paul catches them. And they cut the lifeboats off and let the lifeboats drift. And everybody, 276 people, are still stranded in the middle of the ocean. As morning dawns, they eat some food. They throw the rest of the cargo overboard. I mean, they're totally empty right now. They got nothing. They're just floating around. And they make a run for the land. It says they see land. They don't recognize it, but they're going to make a run for it. So they put their sail up, they pull up the anchors, they get up speed, they aim for this harbor that they can see. They hope they can make it. And just out of nowhere, right when they start getting speed, they hit some rocks and they get stuck fast off the coast. And it wasn't like the storm just stopped in a second. It was still windy. It was still rainy out. And they're stuck on these rocks and these waves that are coming ashore start battering the boat and just hitting it. And the boat's starting to fall apart. And everybody's freaking out and they all think they're going to die. They get so bad that the captain, the Roman guard, says, Everybody, if you can swim, now's the time to swim. Jump in and get it. And if you can't, grab something that floats and hope for the best. That's what the Bible tells us they said. Like, that's not great encouragement. When you're in the middle of this ocean. But if you can't swim, I hope you make it. So they all jump into the water. The boat gets battered up. And the Bible says it just like Paul said. Every single one of them somehow miraculously washes up on the shore. Acts 28 says this. It says, once we were safe on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul, this is good, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, just being a nice guy, I mean, he was just trying to help, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bites him on the head. Are you serious? Like, come on. For real? For real? Just when he thought it was, just... You know what? I can't, I can't, the guy can't even die right. He just can't even do it. It's not going to happen. As much as it seems like something's trying to kill him, he's not going to be taken out. Can you imagine this? Just, I mean, if this was for me, this would be it. I mean, God, I'm done. I'm out. I'll, catch, I'll be somewhere just dying. That's all it is. Can you, I'm on trial for something I didn't do. I'm a prisoner uh, for for unjust me. Like, I'm not supposed to be here in the first place. You got me on board with all these prisoners who actually did something. I have no clue what's going on. You're sailing me around the ocean. I told you we would get messed up. Did you listen? No, but we're over that. It's all good. Then we get out to sea, and the boat starts doing exactly what I said it was going to do. It starts going all crazy. I'm kind of cheering you on the whole way. I'm doing my best to be a pastor, but you guys are just freaking out. Then we find, Jump into the water, that was terrible advice. And you have me swim to shore, I get on shore, it's freezing, I'm wet, it's windy. Do I complain? No, I don't complain. I pick up some wood and I start trying to make a fire, and this freaking snake bites my head. That would, that would have been it. I'd be like, God, you got the wrong person. I might be a stubborn person, I might not listen well, but I'm hearing it now, God. Maybe you aren't asking me to do this. Maybe, you, maybe you're a jerk, God. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it isn't what I'm supposed to do. If it was me, that'd be it. I'd go nuclear, man. I'd be, that'd be it. That'd be it. I would not end up anywhere. I'd be like, guys, you know what? I'm going to put that snake right on my neck. I'm going to go lay down for a bit. I'll see you later, right? I'll catch you around. Good night. But, Paul, but But Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't sit down and sulk. He steps out and he serves. Watch this. Watch this. What do you do when a storm takes you somewhere you don't want to go? You find your mission in the mess. You find your mission in the mess. Watch this. Verse 5 says this. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people of the island waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. They actually thought when Paul was bit, they thought that guy was guilty after all, wasn't he? He really whatever you thought he did, he really did do it because that doesn't happen ever. Like no one no one gets bit like that. This guy totally did what you thought he did. So they all think this guy is a murderer, he's going to die, whatever. But when he didn't, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius. That's a beautiful name. The chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for 3 days. As it happened. Say, say this. Just say, as it happened. Let me hear you. As it happened. East Ca- say, as it happened. Here's the thing. I- I've been around God long enough to know that when it says, as it happened, it, it wasn't just some coincidence. It's not like God didn't realize this was about to happen. It's not like, so for everybody reading the story, for everyone involved in the story, it looked like as it happened. But actually it should read, and of course God would work it out this way. So let, let's read it with that. So, of course God would work it out this way. Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Like, Poor Publius. Poor Publius. I don't know if you know what dysentery is. I don't, you don't need to know what it is. The guy needs a little bit of Pepto, and he just needs to lay down for a bit. It's kind of the, the non-weird way to say that, right? So, it, of course, it would happen that as this uh, official is welcoming them, Publius' dad starts kind of just, you know, coming through. I don't know what he's doing, but he's a mess. He's got some things going on. He has some gastrointestinal distress happening. And I'm like, what kind of island is this, Paul must be thinking. You got snakes biting everybody. You got people walking around looking like that. Like, where did you land me, God? What is this mess that we got into? The Bible says that Paul, I just got to believe Paul, seeing this opportunity, Paul went in and prayed for him, and he laid hands on him, and he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Paul finds his mission right in the middle of his mess. Paul finds his mission in the mess. See, I don't know everything there is to know about about God, but I've known him long enough to know this. He does not waste anything. I know God long enough. I know him well enough to know that even though I might be in a storm, he's not going to waste an opportunity. God isn't a God who's going to put me on time out necessarily. He's not about wasting my life. He's not trying to count me out. He's not trying to sideline me. Even in the midst of this storm, I still have a mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, you could wind up on the moon. And as it happened, there's five dudes up there roaming around who need to know Jesus. As it happened. You could be in the cancer ward getting around a chemo. And as it happened, how many... Man, we've heard this story, haven't we? And as it happened, I was sitting right next to someone who's just desperate to know who Jesus was. You could be in rehab. At the end of your rope, strung out on, like, whatever. And as it happened, there's five other guys or five other girls who are trying to straighten their lives out and they see something in you that they need for themselves. You could be down trying to claim some EI and as it happened, the person in back of you in line, man, God's been trying to reach them for years. You can choose to sit and sulk or you can step out and serve. Paul, with every reason, Paul, with every excuse, for real, with every excuse to just kind of quit Paul chooses to press on. He doesn't wait for God to deliver him before he engages. Paul knows that if he's not dead, he's not done. If he's not dead, then he's not done. Someone says, say, if I'm not dead, say it, then I'm not done. Someone needs to like write that down and look at that tomorrow morning. If you're not dead, you're not done. See, you might think that you've been stranded, But in reality, you've been stationed. You might think that you're shipwrecked, but you've actually been put on mission. Could it be? Could it be that God used a series of bad events and bad choices and mistakes so that Paul would end up on this island in the middle of nowhere that he didn't want to be on, getting bit by a snake, so that he could bring healing and revival to someone who God was desperate to reach? Could God have done it that way? Could it be that God is allowing you to go through a storm? Yes. But He's also giving you a mission. What's the mission in the mess for you? Sure, you're far from where you hoped you'd be. And right now, it might not look good. You might not even be close. But are you going to call yourself stranded or are you going to call yourself stationed? Whatever mess you're in, you have a mission. And this is where it gets good. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Acts chapter 28 verse 10 says this. As a result, as a result of all of this, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, verse 11 will tell you it was three months after the shipwreck. When it came time to sail, the people supplied us with everything we could need for the trip. And after three months, we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island. Did you see that? As a result of Paul being obedient day after day, week after week, snake bite after sickness, God finally moves him forward. What do you do when a storm takes you somewhere you didn't want to go? You wait patiently for God to move you forward. You wait, you don't just wait, you wait patiently for God to move you forward. For Paul, God's deliverance only came after his obedience. The deliverance only came after he was obedient. It didn't happen the other way around. After serving him day after day, stuck in a mess for three months, not knowing when it's going to end, not knowing when it's going to happen, his boat is still somewhere in the ocean. All the stuff he threw away, it's still gone. That's long gone. He's got nothing. He serves God obediently and patiently. And after three months, God showers him with honors. God just heaps it on him. He can't get enough of it, he gives him everything that he lost and more. He restores it back to him, and he sends him on his way. In your storm, God's deliverance will only come after your obedience. God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to help you understand that he can be relied on. See, we're so quick, aren't we? We're so quick. When we're in a storm, if you're like me, we're so quick when a storm comes that we start tightening up, don't we? I mean, you really see it. If you're out and it starts raining, you're going to pull your coat up. You're going to pull that collar up. You're going to tighten up. You're going to get an umbrella and hide under it. You're going to cling to something, whatever it is. When we're in a storm, aren't we so likely to start closing in around ourselves? When life gets difficult, aren't we more likely to rely on ourselves and try and muscle through it and try and force our way through it and try and live better and try and do things differently? And we aren't actually interested in anything except inwardly focusing. If you're like me, that's how you handle a storm. Usually, you hunker down and you try to ride it out. But deliverance doesn't work like that. Like you weren't, you weren't meant to deliver yourself from this storm. It's not in you to do it. It's not that you're not ambitious. It's, you're not capable. It's not that you don't mean well. Or you don't really want it. It's just it's beyond like it's it's too big for you. It's it's not a, you're not good enough for it. You're not big enough for it. You're not strong enough to fight this thing. Deliverance doesn't come when I hold this in. Deliverance comes when I say, God, even in the midst of this storm, I'm going to open this up and I'm going to say, God, whatever you want, you can have it. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want to take off of me, you can have it, God. Deliverance comes after you become obedient. It's a story here in Job. You might know this in the Old Testament. Job. The story goes that after Job loses everything, Job loses his wife, or not his wife, he loses his family, he loses his house, he loses all his belongings, he loses everything. He was a really rich man. He he loses everything. Property, money, his family, his health. And he says, even in the midst of this, though he slay me, still I'll trust him. Even though it doesn't look like it's ending, I'm not going to clam up, I'm going to trust it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might know this. They're before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, you need to bow down before me. But these guys are followers of God. And they're saying, you know, we're not going to bow down before you. And yes, you are. No, we aren't. We're going to play some music. And then when the music stops, you're supposed to bow, right? And they don't bow down. They give him another chance. They say, well, maybe he didn't hear the music. Let's do it again. They do it again. The guys still don't bow down. They come before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says... You will bow down and say, you, we, we, we can't do that. Yeah, we're in a storm right now. This, I, I know who you are, Nebuchadnezzar. I know that I should be bowing down to you if I want to save my life, but I'm going to be obedient to the Lord in this. I'm not going to try and get out of it on my own. I'm not going to try and make it happen anything differently. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, that's great, guys. That sounds fantastic. How about we do this? How about we heat up this oven seven times hotter than it's supposed to be, and how about we throw you in? Do you want to bow down? And they say, we can't do it. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. They say this, you can throw us into the furnace, but we're confident that God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're still still going to obey him. Even if he doesn't save us, we're not bowing down to Him. We're going to patiently wait for God to deliver us. Even when hope is lost, even when it looks like we're about to burn, even when it looks like I'm about to sink, I'm not going to try and get out of this on my own. I'm going to patiently wait for God to move me forward. See, Paul could have tried to do this on his own. He could have swam out to the ocean, picked up some of these broken things, got them back together, duct taped them up, see you later snakes, and he tries to get in and starts paddling away. I mean, he could have tried... But he wouldn't have made it. It was less about Paul's ability and more about his obedience. Sometimes it's not a matter of your strength or your resolve or your abilities that gets you through a storm. Sometimes it's a matter of waiting patiently. So if Paul had been consumed with getting off of this island, then he would have never healed Publius's father, correct? If all he wanted to do was get off the island and he didn't heal his father, if he didn't heal his father, then he couldn't have healed the rest of the island. And if he didn't heal the rest of the island, then he wouldn't have gotten all this blessing from the island when it was time to go. And if he didn't get the blessing from this island, then he wouldn't have got the provision and he wouldn't have gotten the release that God intended for him. He had to wait patiently. He had to find his mission in the mess. He had to cling to God's promise. Are you waiting patiently for God to move you forward? or right now are you just exhausted and angry from flailing and fighting Psalm 37:34 says put your hope in the Lord travel steadily along his path he will honor you by giving you the land and you will see the wicked destroyed he's not done yet God's not done yet. I don't know what it is for you. He's not done yet. What storm are you in? What's your Malta? Where are you at right now? God is not done yet. You didn't want to be here, but you ended up here. Where are you right now? See, this is how we think it works. I'm going to put this map up again. This is how we think life should work. We think that we have this thing here. We're going to start in Jerusalem, and we still want to get to Rome. The way we have it figured out in our lives, don't we? We figure out if I want to get a healthy marriage, or I want to be happy, or I'm going to have money, or I'm going to have fame, or I'm going to have success, or I'm going to just be a general good person. We really, don't we? We have in our minds this, don't we? We have a direct flight. We think it's a point A to point B type of thing, right? Right? And we're all concerned and we're all freaked out when something goes wrong. But here's the thing. Like life isn't lived up in the air direct flight style. That's not what God has called us to in life. The way life actually works is this crazy weird line that takes us from Jerusalem all the way to Crete. All the way going around in this ocean to the island of Malta where we're going to spend some time. And then after we're obedient and God releases us, then we go on our way. And Paul stops at Syracuse. And he stops up in Italy. And the Bible says that he ends up getting safe passage all the way to where he was supposed to go, to Rome. We're going to have storms. We're going to have mistakes. We're going to have delays. We're going to have disappointments. But God is using it to make you the person... And the vessel that he needs you to be, he's using it to refine you. Don't shy away from it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't be surprised when it happens. This is what God wants to do in your life. I just feel someone here today needs to know this. I feel maybe someone at our East Campus or watching online, like like you just you need to hear this. You're not lost. I don't know who it is, but you just you need to know today that you're not lost. You think you are, but you're not. You think it's over, but it isn't. You're nowhere close to where you want it to be, but God's in the boat. He's still with you. It's not hopeless. He has a plan. There's blessing coming from you. You need to hold on. Don't give up. He's not done yet. Would you pray with me? Father, right now we just say over our lives and these storms and everything that we're up to God I don't even in a million years want to fathom what's going on in the room or online or at our east campus God I don't know only you do but I do know you're not done yet you're not finished and just like we read right off the bat you will be faithful to finish what you started so God right now we just put our lives into your hands and say God if you want to take us to Malta we'll go to Malta God, if you have some storm that you're going to allow us to go through, whether it's our fault or not, whether we mend it or not, whether we want it or not, Lord, we're going to just obey you. We're going to surrender to you, God, and we're going to say, even in the storm, Lord, give us a mission. You're not done yet with us, God, and would you give us grace to patiently wait for you to move us forward. Lord, you're a good God. Would you move us into everything that you have for us? We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.